0: goodness it's used four times in the new testament we have good over a hundred times but the word goodness some secular greek uh, scholars believe that you know that it's a word that's unnecessary um, because it's not found in any of the greek literature you know the high-end literature it's never used there it's only used in the new testament and also the lectionaries which are pastors Writing about the New Testament. So, goodness is a very unique biblical word, and some people see it as redundant to the word kindness. You know, I'm kind, you know, and I'm good. You know, they're both good things. I'm kind. Here's my kindness, and here's my goodness. But, goodness really is, had a different um, view, and you can read a lot about it, and I'm not going to go into greater detail just because of my time frame here. But, goodness is more result oriented. You can be very kind and have the kindness of the Lord and someone coming to you and being kind, but goodness is bringing about the right thing in your life. It may not seem kind at the time. How many know what I'm talking about? God is bringing his goodness, but man, it doesn't feel good right now. But God's going, but this is good. This is a good thing. How many, if you're a man, how many wanna become a good man, right? Right? How many have a lousy attitude? You want to have a good attitude, right? How many are you? Don't want you want to have a good life? How many want just want to have a good time? Come on, listen. Raise your hands. I want to have a good time. You think that that's an unbiblical thing? God is all about goodness. You know, Jesus for the joy. You know, scorned the shame of the of the cross. He endured it, and he. You know, he did it for his own joy. This is the heart of God, even the cross to bring us redemption. He did, and it was joy in his heart. Paul says it again, rejoice. Again, I say rejoice, right? We bring our prayers, our petitions to the Lord, but we live a life of rejoicing. You know, society has kind of worn down the word good. It's kind of, you know, yeah, it's all good. Hey, man, how you doing? I, in fact, I was, I was walking down, people say, how you doing? I go, good. They're like, how you doing? Good it's just its just like it's, it's lowered its level. And what I'm gonna do today through the text is I'm gonna raise that level of your concept of good, okay? Now, in our society, everybody's got an idea of what good is. We have whole cultures within our culture that define, I think this is good, and I think this is bad. And then a new group comes in and says, no, I think this is good, and I think this is bad. And then there are atheists who say, you know there's no such thing as good and there's no such thing as bad everything's kind of neutral and you have to ask yourself well you know if i live as chemical you know chemicals in motion i'm just molecules you know obeying the laws of physics i'm a product of you know random mutation acting on natural selection i'm basically just a primordial hopeful mess that came out of chance and i'm just in this world that's all i am Well, if that's true, then there is no such thing as real objective truth, and there's no such thing as anything objectively good or bad. Would you agree? Right? What's good? What's bad? Well, you know, you slap me in the face. I think it's bad. You might think it's good. Right? It's all relative, you know? And and some people go, well, I think this behavior is good, and I think telling people that their belief about things is bad So you're telling me my beliefs about you being bad is bad? You can see how this gets caught up. And and pretty soon you have nothing objective. So where do we find our concept of good? What's good and what's bad? And how do we determine these things? Well, I I love this. I'm going to just start off with this. Um, Some of you know Ravi Zacharias, who's an apologist who defends the scriptures and philosophically and scripturally. And an atheist uh, came to Ravi Zecharias. this is um, in Oxford, University of England, and this is what he said to him, this atheist in an open group discussion at Oxford on the campus. He said, there cannot possibly, this is an atheist speaking, there cannot possibly be a God with all the evil and suffering in the world. And so Ravi responds, so when you say there's such a thing as evil, are you not assuming that there's also such a thing as good? The atheist replied, yeah, yeah, of course. But when you assume that there's such a thing as good, are you not also assuming that there's such a thing as moral law on the basis of which to distinguish between good and evil? Yeah, I suppose so. I think so. Robbie said, well, if there's a moral law, then you must also posit that there must be a moral law giver. But that is who you're trying to disprove and not prove. And if there's no transcendent moral lawgiver, there's no absolute moral law. And if there's no moral law, then there's really no good. And if there's no good, and there's no evil, then what is your question? And he and, and Ravi said. Then there was a long silence, and then the atheist responded, "What then am I asking you?" <laughs> and, and and if you think about it, if there is a God who is holy, do I hear an amen? amen. Who is perfect? And we can admit, any sinners out there who have done evil in any sense, raise your hand. The sinners are here. You may have come. It doesn't matter if you have an LDS background or a fundamental LDS background or an atheist background or, you know, you have a Buddhist background. You can admit you're a sinner. Amen? And God, if God is that holy and man is a sinner, you have to ask yourself this. Why isn't there more evil in this world? You know, evil, you know, sometimes I wonder, Lord, thank you for limiting its power, allowing freedom to exist, but not limiting, that you want to end evil without ending all the evildoers. And I say this jokingly all the time, but people say, I wish God would get rid of all the evil. And I go, but he wants to keep you around. (laughs) Isn't that true? Think about it. If God really had to get rid of evil, and we browsed, like a little search browse, through your brain this month, could we find things that were not holy and righteous? Some things that were not all good. Some things that may not be pure and loving. See, we're not about being religious. We're about relationship, getting to know God. Amen? Let's look at this and let's look at good. How many want some of God's goodness in your life? Come on. You you don't only want to know about it, but you want it in your life and you want it through your life. This goodness is going to come from the Spirit of God who is in you. There's only one reason why the Spirit of God is in you. It's not because you're sensitive to the Spirit. It's because Christ died for you. Unless I go, he will not come. And when Christ dies for us, He takes away our sins, does not hold it against us, and deposits himself within our spirit. That goodness is within you because God is within you. So, amen? Amen. Listen, number one, God is good. Let's just get that. He is the definition of good. For the Lord is, can everyone say good? good? And his love endures forever. His faithfulness continues through all generations. You know, it's not just for you, his goodness. It goes down the line. There's no limit to his goodness. The ocean, according to the book of Job, and we see it tangibly, has its borders. The limit of God's goodness is endless. It, just like he's omniscient and knows all things, his goodness is in every place and everywhere. It differs from his goodness, differs from the creature's goodness. The creator's goodness is like a, like a pure gold. It's it's in matter and substance. It's pure. It's exactly what it should be. While the creature can put on God's gold, it's like a it's like a you know putting sort of a um, what do they call it a, um, overlaid. You know, you have a substance of wood, but you might have put some gold on top of it, and it still shines like gold, doesn't it? It's but it gives the luster and shine of gold, but it's not the matter or the substance of the gold. God is the gold. God is good. Next one, he is the originator of goodness. Every good and perfect gift is from above. It, it comes from God. He is the origin. He's the source from this. You know, the, the one who comes down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who does not change. It's an unchanging. It's, it's limitless in our concept, but it's unchanging. It's not changing, it's nature. It's not gonna be diminished. Goodness, the goodness of God isn't gonna get less than. It isn't gonna get augmented or morphed. It's not gonna get subtracted. You may just discover something really good about God and you go, wow, God really is good. But he was already good before you realized that. His goodness was already magnificent. And you might've just learned it. You go, wow, I can't believe it. Well, it didn't just happen. The God that you know and the God that you're seeking is good in every way. Do I hear an amen? amen? You know, we were unpure being purified. You know, we were unholy being made holy. But God has always been holy. God has always been pure. Isn't amazing serving a God like that? His name, the next slide, power and attributes are all good. Everything about him, every detail about God. And I could show you, I literally had hundreds and hundreds of these texts over there. So just... Picking out a few to, to highlight um, as we're doing some topical sermons here. I will sacrifice a free will offering to you, Lord. I will praise your name, O Lord, for what? For it say it one more time. For it is good. It's good. Your name is good. The name, can you say Jesus? There, there's some, when, when our lack of goodness is looking for a curse, what do people say? Oh, Jesus, they say his name in a curse, don't they? You you never say "Oh, Muhammad," do you? There are people you find. It doesn't matter where you can be in the jungles of Africa, right? And and someone comes out of the jungle and they come up and they, you know they're cursing and all of a sudden the name Jesus Christ comes out and you going, "How did that come out of there?" I grew up an atheist and I used to I used to curse Jesus Christ all the time, and I remember when I first analyze it I say why do we use that name what is that name I don't even know what the name was why do we say it because in our the lack of goodness in us curses it as an enemy of God but now that I'm reconciled to God guess what the name of Jesus Christ how many of us say that word say Jesus there is power in that name it's not a magic wand you know I want a, a new car in Jesus' name. Right? It's not that. It's, it's rooted in your relationship with God through the cross that he begins to show you his will and his purpose. And you start to see what God has for you. And then all of a sudden you can say, Lord, redeem this in Jesus' name. And power comes out. Amen? You pray for somebody, and you go, I've never had any power before. But then you lay hands on someone. You're in the hospital. You're at home. And you sense that God's saying, I want to do something. And you lay hands and go, Lord. Oh, yes, Lord. You want to heal them. Be healed in Jesus' name. And you sense his power. There is authority. His attributes are good. God wants to bring about goodness. I love when Moses cries out to the Lord. And he's going, Lord, It's kind of like we're going on this big, long journey. We're doing all kinds of things with all these people following me. I need to see you. And he goes, Lord, show me your glory. And God goes, okay, stand back. I'm about to come by, and I'm going to let all my goodness pass by you. It's like he asked for the glory, and God says, I'll show you the goodness of God. I'll let it just pass right by you. Imagine in your own life as you wake up in the morning, allow God's goodness to come by you. Allow God's goodness to take whatever wickedness or whatever thing that you were encountering or whatever evil thought or whatever doubt that you had. I don't know if God's there. I don't know about my future. I wish I wouldn't have done this. Whatever you're struggling for, allow the goodness of God and his glory move. How many say amen? Amen. A louder, amen. Amen. There is power in God's goodness. It is greater than evil and can overcome it. The love, he even says, be good to your enemies. The goodness of God has no bounds. It is powerful. (sighs) Number two, this is good. I I hope you get this because if you get this, you will save a lot of heartache. You will save a lot of heartache for your whole life. Many people do not understand this. You know, when you're, when you're a young Christian, you're trying to figure out who God is. And you don't know, it's, you're always trying to grow in the Lord. But when you're young, you're really trying to figure out the Bible and who God is. And you're trying to understand him. And then people are telling you stuff about God, but you don't really believe it until you see it. How many know what I'm talking about? Like, you know, well, I need to see God do this. I don't know if he's gonna do this. Come on, God. But then you see God do stuff. And after you've been walking with the Lord, you start to see him describe himself. And then you say, okay. I'm going to trust God because I know he's going to do this. I can count on God. I don't have to. I, I haven't seen it yet, but I'm going to walk by faith. I'm going to trust him. He's going to make this work. God is love. God is bringing goodness to me. Now, this right here in the scripture, the responding. How do we respond to the goodness of God? Because you might be in the midst of a trial. You go, man, how do I thank God? I don't know how to. The natural response of the spirit to the father. By way of the son and his death and resurrection, the spirit in you cries to the father when when you hear his goodness is praise. It's thankfulness. This is how you know you're experiencing the goodness of God because you go, Lord, I understand it. I know that it's coming. I'm getting disciplined. Yeah, the Lord disciplined the son or the daughter that he delights in. He disciplines them so that they can be complete Persevering, mature, not missing anything. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Give praise, O servants of the Lord, who stand in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. That's the holiest place. Let's go deeper into the courts. For us, we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I can't go more internally into my blood and veins. I just turned to the spirit who was in me. And he says, praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing to his name for it is pleasant. I know the goodness of God. There's nothing better than being in a tough situation and saying, praise the Lord, you are good. You're moving things forward. You got my good and interested in me. The Bible says again, praise the Lord, give thanks to the Lord. Why? Because his love is for you. His love endures forever. Do I hear an amen? How do I live in this goodness? And how many want to? Again, how many want to live in this goodness? Let's start. We start by waiting. You have to wait for the goodness of God. I would love the moment I turned to Christ that I was perfect goodness. Jody was talking about the bride and the groom. And um, how many think you might have been a disappointment to your bride and groom the first couple years? (laughs) They're going, oh, he loves me, but he won't do the dishes. Oh, he loves me, but he doesn't listen, right? Aren't you glad that this bride who we are serves the true groom who is perfect in every way and makes us this way? The the Lord is good to those who wait for him. You don't have to invent or conjure up your own goodness. You know, you look internally and you think, I don't know if my goodness is good enough. I can wait on the Lord. And then he says to the soul who seeks him, There's something where God says, I want you to look for it. I want you to wait for it. And then he said, it is good that one should wait. Can everyone say quietly? I don't know about you, but sometimes when I'm needing the Lord to do something, it's like, Lord, can you do it? And the Lord's like, silence. No, I really mean it. That did it. I got to get a few other people to pray. (laughs) Could you ask God to do a bunch of stuff that I'm asking to do that he won't do? Yeah, I'll be praying for you. Lord, teach them how to be patient. No, don't pray that. I want answers, not character. How many know what I'm talking about? Come on. And and, and, and you do, and it's like the little kid goes, Mom, can I go to the store? Mom, 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 can I go to the store? Mom, Mom, can we get an Xbox? Mom, Mom, Mom. You're like, send them to CJ in the children's ministry send that kid over there, (laughs) And and, and after a while, you know, when you're the parent in that situation, you don't immediately answer them, do you? Because you're thinking to yourself, if I answer this, this is not good for them, is it? There's sometimes when you gotta wait for the goodness of the Lord, you're waiting. His goodness isn't rising up, it's right there. But there's something else that he's doing in you to wait for. It's character building, amen? Do you wanna just get a message that just jives you up or do you wanna get the message from the word of God? That message that gets you, it challenges you, it divides bone and marrow. This is is the heart of this. We wait. All right, here's how we get there. You wanna do it? Number one, realize that your own goodness falls short. I know that this, especially in a religious culture, which I think Utah is a very religious culture. We, we rely on our own goodness. We look back and we go, yeah, I'm pretty good. And, and I can see people. I, I watch, I, I'm, a, I'm a football fan and a soccer fan. Some of you know my background in this. And, and I'll watch these NFL players who come from troubled backgrounds sometimes, and then they get drafted into the NFL, and then the NFL will get them working in the community. And then I'll listen to the interview, and they go, so what kind of person are you? I'm a good, I'm a good guy. I help out. And, and, I, and I'm thinking to myself as a pastor, I'm thinking, I hope you don't think that that goodness came from you. Because the goodness of God is greater than man's goodness. Amen? Amen. You, you can't, you're not going to come, there's not going to be an NFL player who does not have Christ, who's going to stand before God, and he, they're going to say, are, are Are you worthy? Are you, did you rise up to who God is or did you fall short? And you're going to say, man, I served at the United Way. And he's going to go, and you are perfect. Come on in. Aren't you glad that God's standard is high? That there's always something new that God can do? I love how Paul says it in Romans. He says, I know that nothing good lives in me. He's, he's not talking about the Lord. He's talking about his nature. The word sarks in the Greek, it says, we translate it in the English NIV and some of the English translations, you know, as our sinful nature, the nature or the mind of our sinfulness. <sighs> I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. How many can relate to that sentence? You know, in Romans 3.12, when Paul's summarizing it all, you know, you know, he's trying to say, you know, they deny the creation, and it's so obvious that it's there. And, you know, the Gentiles are full of, you know, inflamed for lust for one another and not following the ways of God. And we Jews, is there any difference between us at all? And he goes, and now that we are all alike under sin, and then he says, there is no one who does good, not even one. You ha- if you want the goodness of God, I'm going to start you there. Realize that your own goodness falls short. Can you do it? Just turn to someone and say, my own goodness isn't enough. Just turn to somebody. Number two, you got to accept that his goodness is the standard, the only standard. There is a ton of scriptures in this, but, but they, you know, and they ask Jesus, you know, what is good, good teacher? And he says, there's none good save one that is God. There's no one good. God is the one that is good. Isn't that true? Remember the rich young ruler who comes in and he's saying, you know, what do I got to do to inherit eternal life? Like, you know, what do I do to raise the bar of my goodness so I can get some eternal life from you? You know, the Bible calls those wages, like your wages. You're going to get enough wages so you get the paycheck finally. That's eternal life. But the Bible says that the wages of our sin is death. How many have waged some sin? Okay, you have, well, there is death that you've waged. But the gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ. He is the one who's good. The rich young ruler is saying, but I did this, and I was sitting at church, and there's my chair, you know, and and I was worshiping the Lord, and I was tithing, and he starts naming all these things. And it's like Jesus has a way of separating what you do and where your heart is, isn't it? You ever do a bunch of good stuff, but at the end you go, man, my heart was really wrong. Trust me, I'm a pastor. I struggle with the same things. I go, why am I doing this? I go, huh. I don't know the motive's wrong, but I don't know how to fix it. So I'll fix it with my other goodness to compensate this goodness that's lacking. Right? And Jesus gets right to the point with this rich young ruler, and he says, Really? You got this? Well, you've been giving and you've been getting blessed. And you've been doing this, you're getting blessed. Now I want you to give it all away. And it says that the rich young Euler, just he went away sad. If you could translate that, he was bummed out. It's kind of like, I'm doing this, I'm doing this. And it's kind of like, wah, wah. You know? And you think the Lord was trying to give him a bad day? Because that conversation could have gone on for 10 minutes. Well, I washed the car, and I did this, I took care of the camels eventually, God's gonna get you at a place where you see where your heart is. He's going, I could, he couldn't give it all away. He couldn't carry the cross that way. He needed the cross of Christ like I do. Amen? Listen, accept his goodness as the only standard. Three, remember that our calling in him is to do good. Our calling is good from God. It really is. Many of you know this scripture, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not from yourselves, right? It is the gift of God, for we are God's workmanship. So some of you know, study the Greek there, that that word "poema" is the word for workmanship. It's, a, it's a, um, a poem or art piece by God. It's God's piece of work. You are God's painting. You, you are God's painting created in Christ. You're a new creation in Christ. While you still have your old nature who's been reborn, the nature of God is in you as well. And he has birthed new life. And why did he create a Jew? Look it up the text there. To do what? Good works. God is calling you to be that activity of works that moves in the marketplace, that moves in your business, that moves in your family, that moves with your neighbors, that moves with your friends. You are a vehicle of his goodness. We're not doing the good to be saved. Lord, look at my goodness so I can be saved. No, I'm saved unto goodness. I'm an expression of the light and the goodness of the gospel. And Jody and I, we, I can't remember, it was like a week or so ago, we, we were talking, I can't remember if it was a phone number on purpose on, in person, but I was telling her, I go, can you believe the goodness of God in our life? Every time I just get frustrated, I'm like a little whining baby. How many know what I'm talking about? You whine to God, and you go, like, God, you know, how come this? It's like, you know, you get this, and you get this, you get this, and you go, but it's not good enough. I want this. Give me that toy. You know, it's like your kids. Who we used to do with our kids. We'd have them pick out, like, six, seven toys. they go, play with those. When you're done with those, put them away, and then you can pick a seven more. Instead of having all the toys on the floor, because they did not want me to go into an insane asylum. Because, you know, you open the door and you see toys everywhere. You're going, all right, pick this up. No. <laughs> Listen, we are called to do what? Good works. We're called to have a good attitude. We're, God, we're called to God's goodness, good work. Guess what? It's called what kind of news is it? It's good news from a good God. He's good and he's great. He's great, magnificence, and he's good. Is he kind? Yes, he's kind. He's kind kind and he's good and he's joy and he's love. Is he grace? Yes, he's grace, but he's justice. It has to be satisfied. He is all those things, is he not? Our God is the sovereign God who is multidimensional. God calls us to a good time too, amen? Isn't that true? Let his goodness overcome the evil. I love this. I, I just give two quick scriptures here, but you killed the author of life. You brought death. But look at but God raised it from the dead. He raised him from the dead. You know, Joseph was sold into slavery. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. It's the same Hebrew. You, you meant that action for evil. Well, God meant that action, and now it's good. He takes things. Why? To save a bunch of people, to bring restoration to bring life, to bring Joseph into a place where he could bless all the people. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. I love this word because you see it all the time. It's the word Nike, right? That word overcome. It's, you know, in in our culture, what does overcome? What does Nike mean? It means LeBron James is throwing down the basket. You know what I mean? And I saw a latest commercial. Now he's riding his bike and everyone's following him around on the bike. And I like LeBron, but Jesus is our center. You want to know what you want to overcome? Evil. You want to overcome a bad attitude. You want to overcome malevolent actions with goodness, with righteousness. This is the call of God. Amen? Amen. Listen, I want you to see how God works. And this is a scripture that almost everyone knows, but it's at the heart of this, so I don't want to exclude it for familiarity. We know that in all things, can you say with me, all things? all things? Now listen, can you say God works? God works. Again, God works. God works. What, in all things, God works. He works. In all things, God works. That's that word, argon. We're not saved by our argon, our working. We're saved by grace, right? Cadis, through pistis faith. But guess what? God works in all things. What? For what? For the good of those who love him. Is God going, who out there loves me? Is there anyone who loves me? I'll work for you. No, the love comes, the love is called the deposit put in us by the Holy Spirit. It's not our love. And you see that little punctuation where it says, who love him, comma, who are called according to his purpose. That's who the loved ones are. Listen, I am called according to the purposes of God through Christ. Look at the scripture below it. There's a million scriptures like this. God's eternal purpose, his eternal purpose, which he accomplished where in Christ Jesus our Lord. Woo! Sorry. Woo! 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 Woo, woo, Don't be such a sissy, Brad. I'm just kidding. <laughs> totally kidding. <laughs> Listen, God is good, isn't he? Yeah. Woo! <laughs> I'm telling you, it's okay to be excited about the Lord. Amen? Yes. Listen, if God's eternal purpose was in Christ, what was Christ's eternal purpose? If God's working all things together according to his purpose and he's working for us, what's this purpose? It's Christ with the Christ brought the good news. So that you could be saved and you could be healed and you could be delivered, amen? God is good, amen? Good always wins over evil. And I mentioned, put on the next one here. His goodness doesn't always feel good, does it? Before I was afflicted, you can put up a little louder than that. Before I was afflicted, I went astray but now I obey your word. Listen, you are good. This is David crying out. And what you do is good. He, he, this, isn't, this isn't a opinion op-ed in USA Today writing about God. This is a king talking about his God who he has fellowship with. And he's saying here, Lord, you are good. And what you do is good. Teach me your decrees. Teach me your ways. Teach me your principles. It was good, listen to this, for me to be afflicted. It was good that you wounded me. It's good that you took me out and you derailed me. It was good that you did it. Why? So that I might learn your ways because they are good. Do I hear an amen? Amen. We're almost done in here. His goodness and a reward is coming. Let us not grow weary or become weary in doing good. There's a timing issue here. For at, say it with me, the proper time. Sometimes you're walking in your life and you're just going, Lord, I'm trying to do good. I'm trying to follow your ways. Where, where's the harvest? How, how do I get that? I don't, I don't see it. Well, I, I thought you told us to do we it. Did, we, we did what you said. And he says, listen, at the proper time, you're gonna see it. You're gonna reap a harvest. If what? You don't give up. This isn't one of those if statements that if you don't do it, I won't do it. If, if, if that is not the, t- the context of this. The context of this is you will continue to do this. Understand that's why you're doing it. You're doing it. It's like the word endure endure in the scripture. People say, I got to endure. No, you don't. The word is hippomeno By means of abiding. By abiding in Christ, these things will come about. How many say Amen. How many want God's goodness now? Come on, only seven of you? Come on, raise your hand, both hands up high. Just say, I want God's goodness. Now leave it up, be Pentecostal. And say, hallelujah, Lord. It's okay, I want men lifting up holy hands all over the place. Amen? But we won't do the holy kiss right now, okay? (laughs) All right, number four, time to taste God's goodness. Amen? If there's one thing that I would love to just give to people is, Lord, can they understand the presence that I know from you? Can I give it to them somehow, knowing who Jesus is? And I love this, the angel of the Lord. Sometimes in the Old Testament, it's an epiphany, um, a presence of Christ in the Old Testament. This is the angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him. And in our culture, boy, we are so afraid of everything. People are afraid of the stock market. What's gonna happen to America? Listen, your hope is in America, you will be disappointed. You can't put your hope, well, do we have enough Google and Apple ideas so we don't become a third? world? why are you putting your hope in that? Your hope has got to be in the Lord. But what if the end times comes and there's a comet? Well, what are you going to do when a comet bashes into your home? You're going to (laughs) die. Right? You know, I'm serious. I I get Christians all the time. What do you think? What's going to happen? We are kings and priests in the land. We are called to be an influence, light and darkness. Vivid repenters. That is our calling. We can't be shrinking back, just getting all our lessons from some fear thing. This we can't go down this route. This is why fear horizontally, fear vertical. Go up, because the one you fear here is totally on your side. That's why he points you this way. And he is love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness. Is he not? This is who the Lord is. Hallelujah. He encamps around those who fear him. That's like a dwelling Lord. He dwells there. He's living around you. This is an Old Testament, you know, psalm that is pointing forward. Now we know that he's not the God out there anymore, and he's not the God with us anymore. He's the God in us now. Amen? Amen and he encamps within us, and look at this invitation, taste, and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, all you saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. One more psalm, and this is how we'll close. Surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But what if I have hard times? Goodness will follow you all the days of your life. Goodness and God's love. Amen. Why don't you close your eyes. Father, we thank you for your goodness. Let's have the base camp team come up as well. Father, I thank you, Lord, for your incredible goodness. You're faithful to us in every way. Beyond what we know beyond what we see and you know as I spoke that come and taste and see that the Lord is good you know maybe you've heard about Jesus maybe you've even studied about Jesus you grew up knowing about him but you've never really tasted the Lord in that sense I'm telling you that this God did everything the right way to get a hold of you and the only right way was to sacrifice himself for your sins our sins are held against us because of justice but they are not held against us because of God fulfilling that justice by sending his own son into the world. He came just like you and where you had no consequences or just generic temporary consequences, he took on all the consequences spiritually, physically, emotionally and the sins of the world fell upon him. Bible says that he who knew no sin became sin for us, right? That we might be free. You want to come and taste the Lord. Listen, I know that the temptation might be, what is everyone else going to think? You know, because you're fearing man. What are they going to think? I'd like to just appeal to truth right now. Do you believe that you're a sinner? That you need God's goodness in your life, in your relationships, in your heart? just everything. Then put your confidence in the good God who died for you and allow your sins to be washed away. If that's you and you want to taste that the Lord is good, just raise your hand, look up at me, every other eye closed, just look up at me. I want to agree with you in prayer, amen. Anyone else here in the center section here? Amen over there, amen, 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 amen. And yeah, go ahead. Father, I thank you for these. If I didn't see you, God saw that hand. Father, I thank you for these. And let's pray together as a body. Let's pray it together and join on those who have put their hope in Christ. Just say, Lord Jesus, I put my hope in you. Thank you for your sacrifice that you paid for every sin. From the past, from the present, my sins are washed away. Now fill me with your spirit. Fill me with your life. Fill me with your goodness. And teach me to walk in your ways. Just with your eyes closed, one more thing. We have base camp leaders. When you're starting off on a journey or an adventure, you know, they set up base camp at the bottom of the mountain, you know, where you can get situated. And get some tools and make sure you, you're not going to slide down the mountain or get injure yourself. And the body of Christ has gifts like encouragers and teachers and not people to lord over you. Maybe that's your background. But they're here to really serve you is what they are here to do. To make themselves available, to listen. Uh, to be one of God's hands and feet to point you to Christ. We have a regular base camp that meets on a regular basis and you meet with one of these base camp leaders who just acknowledge them. They will hand you and show you how you get connected and make themselves available to you. And as you walk out the church, the very last um, door on the right, the second to last door on the right, it'll be a base camp room. Feel free to go in there and you can just say, hey, I'd like to be a part of this or tell me more about it. And Lord, I pray blessing and upon you in Jesus' name. My wife's gonna share some. Go for it. She's gonna tell the you how drifting. good I am.
1: I just um, I just really believe that the Lord um, wants to bring deliverance in the area of fear. You know that scripture that Eric just read? Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Blessed, which means happy, prosperous, content. Um, and I just, I have a sense that there are those who are... Who struggle with debilitating fear not just like a little anxiety now and then but debilitating fear and I loved what you said about let your fear be vertical not horizontal that's awesome because anything that's crashing around you any of the waves that that are crashing around you you know Jesus is there and so if if that is you this morning I just um, strongly encourage you to confess it to someone And ask for prayer. You know, we're supposed to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. So if you struggle with fear, whether it seems rational or not, um, just confess that this morning and ask for prayer. Because I really believe, you know, that the Lord is near. And he wants to bring deliverance in that area today. Amen.
0: God, you are good. Amen. Sorry for all the loud noises, but God obviously wanted to wake you guys up. Totally teasing. Listen, I want to encourage you, too. Sometimes we have times of prayer. You come forward to pray at your seat. Those aren't the only times for prayer. Prayer should be happening in our body all the time. There's a scripture that says, pray unceasingly. It doesn't mean you walk around in your kitchen just praying like you have no life at all except for prayer. What it means is that you're always cognizant of what the Lord is doing and you're aware of the needs and the things, and you're connected to God. You're walking with him and communicating with him on a regular basis. I want to encourage you not only to be vulnerable to other people when you need prayer, and go to someone who you believe is trustworthy and is not going to gossip. And can we please not be a church who gossips about other people's problems? Can we? Can we please not be a church who is like the kindergarten class who shares everybody else's junk with If people share with you and the people that I counsel with, I say it goes nowhere past this, and I mean it, okay? And then pray for that person, and instead of us trying to fix people, we'll find that the Holy Spirit wants to heal people and restore people. So, Lord, I pray blessings on everybody. For those who that word was for fear, please confess it before you leave. Just grab somebody and say, I'm struggling with this. And, um, Father, we just pray blessings and grace, and we pray again for South Africa. Lord, for Redemption Center International, again, pour out your spirit. Everything that we're crying out for, for ourselves as a church, as a city, as a community, Lord, multiply that for them. Give it to them in great abundance. And uh, Lord, so we give them our blessing. And um, so we just pray for grace and bless our, our church, Lord, and bless our city. Lord, let it be blessed. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.